Hello, everybody, and welcome to I've Got a Movie to Watch. My name is Matt. My name is Dakota. Dakota, you got a movie to watch this week? I got a movie to watch this week. Guess what we're watching, Matt? What are we watching? We're watching Strange World. Is that that new Disney movie that came out this past year? Yeah, it came out this past year, actually. I think it came out um, end of November, December of last year. Okay. So, yeah, and... This movie, I feel like, is slept on quite a bit. It didn't really do super great in the theaters. No, it did not. It, <laughs> it definitely didn't. Um, and I've got numbers to look at for that later. Um, but it actually didn't get a whole lot of marketing either. Like, I don't remember seeing commercials for this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it then went to the Disney Plus streaming service. And it was actually one of the highest streamed movies last yeah. year around that time frame. I have a feeling it kind of happened that way just because during the pandemic, you have a lot of movies that were theatrically released kind of in that window, like uh tenant from Christopher Nolan was kind of one of the first ones that came back to theaters and you had some movies coming back to theaters, but you had this big push on digital releases and buying the movie digitally and just having the theater experience at home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are still in that mindset of just not really paying attention to what's going into theaters, not really going out to the movies to watch movies. You can just look at the box office numbers for the summer and realize that's Barbie and Oppenheimer, the only two movies that are making a profit this summer. And Barbie popped off. Barbie popped off. But anyways, back to Strange World. I think it comes down to they were so used to movies like Soul and... I'm trying to think of another. Turning Red were movies that did have somewhat of a theatrical release, but were mainly put onto Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened with Strange World. They didn't realize that the movie was actually in theaters. So when it popped up on or popped up on Disney Plus, they're like, "Oh my god, this is a new movie that I can turn on and the kids can enjoy it, and mm-hmm. so forth and so on." So that's probably where the success came from. Um, yeah, and having like this movie recommendation actually came to me from a coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a small son and watches Disney Plus all of the time. And me working in the therapy biz and was telling her like, "Hey, this is a podcast I'm doing. You know, do you have any recommendations?" And she recommended Strange World to me. And the way she had put it was kind of like Encanto meets Journey to the Center of the Earth. And I was like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And so it just, the way that she explained like a bit of the plot to me without like super spoiling it. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch this tonight. And I watched it. And this was before we even had like, and like we were talking about the podcast and still hadn't recorded anything. And I remember texting you like, Matthew, I found a movie. <laughs> I yeah, found I a movie. You, you were telling me that you were telling me all the details. You told me what you said earlier. It's like a mix of Encanto and Jerrington Scenario. So I was, I was interested in watching it. I was already kind of interested because I knew about the movie. I just didn't know it had gone on to Disney plus yet. So mm-hmm. finally put it on, watched it. And I will say it's, it's, the best way I can describe it is it's like modern day Atlantis and um, Treasure Planet. It's one of those movies that a lot of people slept on yeah. when they were in theaters. The animation is extremely well made. It is incredibly done. And there was, I watched a breakdown of one of the animatic scenes and 
is that a word animatic sure it is is. one of the the sequences in the movie and it was one of the hardest things for them to animate and it took them months upon Mm. months to get this correct because there was just so many moving pieces quite literally um and it was really fascinating to see like how they broke that down from storyboard to computer to like the how the just how these characters interact with their environment Mm -hmm. and so it really gave me a greater appreciation for the movie making process i agree with that so it's a very good movie and i guess we'll just go right on in and get to the plot of it yeah um so going into this movie i knew there was some actual big names attached to it Mm -hmm. jake gyllenhaal and Mm -hmm. dennis quaid you haven't heard dennis quaid's name in quite a while honestly um, he's been doing some small projects here and there, but he used to be big in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and having just Jake Gyllenhaal attached, you would think would sell tickets, but I, I think we're past the time of Hollywood stars selling tickets. We need more of a, I don't know, more of a grab, something like Barbie, where it's cooler talk to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're introduced to Edgar Clade played by Dennis Quaid at the very beginning of the movie. And we have a narrator kind of, this, this was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's like this like comic book opening sequence of like, you know, just like in this new chapter, we see our adventurers go off into the great unknown in Mm -hmm. search of what's beyond the mountains and things like that. So they're, they're in this place called Avalonia and Jaeger Clade is a, renowned adventurer Mm -hmm. and they are searching for a way to get past the mountains their entire village their entire community there's just these insurmountable mountains that surround them and so that's where we're introduced is this comic book thing of getting the backstory of jaeger and his son and their adventures and then we lead up to the opening sequence of them trying to traverse the mountains Mm -hmm. yeah because this community's kind of been landlocked for a long time so Jaeger's been the one to push this expedition of what's beyond our village Mm -hmm. Um, and I will admit as I'm watching the movie like Jaeger Clade and his son Searcher Clade I'm like Searcher like that's on the nose that is (laughs) extremely on the nose for an adventure that's kind of I don't know, that that took me out of the movie for like two seconds. I was like, that's okay, all right. And then I, <laughs> I came back in. But um, after the little comic book introduction, we're put into a scene where they're in these snowy Alps kind of area. It looks like they're right on the cusp of getting through the mountains. And we have Jaeger, his crew, and Searcher, his son. And Searcher kind of goes off and finds what I call the electric green grape. Boogaloo. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, I don't know what they called in the movie. I can't Pando. Remember. It's called Is it Pando. Pando? Okay. Yeah. Um, so they find this thing. It looks like a little green grape, but it holds all this like electricity power. And like, he thinks there's huge potential in this find. So he's like, he's very much so like, we found something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's beyond the mountain. But we have found something here that can really improve life in our town right now. Mm-hmm. And that's where the initial conflict between 
Searcher and Jaeger happens where Jaeger is so dedicated to his mission, he does not care about anything else other than finding out what's past the mountain. And it keeps coming back and back and back throughout the movie. And we'll get into that. But that's where we get the initial departure of Searcher and Jaeger. Jaeger goes on by himself because he's like, I'm going to find out what's beyond these mountains no matter what. Mm-hmm. And Searcher takes the rest of the group and they go back home. We have a time skip. Searcher has become a farmer for the Pando. He has a huge Pando farm. He has a wife. He has a kid. He has three like a dog. Best character. Best character. I love the three like a dog. But they're, they're living life and turns out this pando that searcher has found has really improved life for everybody in the town Mm -hmm. i mean it's created multiple inventions it's made light fixtures it's created it's pretty much electricity and it's a it's a renewable resource because they can keep growing it yeah um so everything's good and we're introduced to the character of his wife who's a crop duster for his farm and his son who he's really pushing to be a farmer like him And that's where we start seeing some of the true kind of ideals that this movie is trying to push on you. There's two different ideals that the movie pushes on you. And we get the first one of parent-to-child bonds and how a parent wants the best for their child, but also wants kind of them to follow in their footsteps while the child wants to go and be their own individual and the difficulties that come between that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll get into the second ideal. You have two messages in this movie and both of them are good messages on their own, but I think it gets a little muddled the further we go into it. And And I agree with that. It's it's hard to balance. It was, it was definitely hard to balance something like that. Um, On that note of like the, parent-child relationship one of the different things that I thought was very interesting um because we talk about breaking generational trauma that's Mm -hmm. like one of the like hot words hot phrases that you see floating around the internet when it comes to mental health you know I'm going to be the one to break the generational trauma and sometimes we get caught up in that ideal that we we don't see that we're actually causing harm and so with Jaeger and Searcher um the original clades that we were introduced to um we have like searcher being like i'm not gonna be like my dad i'm gonna be present for my kid i'm gonna be around i'm gonna help people and he starts to see his son ethan kind of divert away from the farmer life like he's expressing that he has other interests he's a teenager he's expressing that he wants to maybe follow in his grandfather's footsteps Mm -hmm. And that is a deep-seated, like deep-seated fear from Searcher, and that's shown in little glimpses of the movie where, like, there's like the two statues of the clades in town of Searcher and his dad Jaeger, and he like has this like sequence where he sees Ethan like going to be like his grandfather, mm-hmm. and like he catches himself, he brings it around, he acknowledges that it's a fear to himself, but not to others, mm-hmm. and so while I can applaud awareness for for searcher um how he goes about it even though he wants to break this generational cycle he's actually just a kind of another cog in it Mm -hmm. and that does get resolved later in the movie 
but we'll get there when we get there. I just yeah. want to take like a sidestep to be like, just because you are aware of something and you do your best to go against it, doesn't mean that you are doing it correctly or absolutely. in a healthy manner. Yeah, absolutely. We we kind of, the generation of Gen Z and millennials have kind of realized that um, the things that our parents have done to us and put upon us, while they not, may not have been intentional, we've kind of realized like there are patterns and things, there are expectations that they put on us. And sometimes we're not going to meet the expectations that they set for us. Mm-hmm. We're our own individuals and we're going to do the things that we want to do in our lives to make ourselves happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and I think Searcher wants Ethan to be happy. Absolutely. But he has that fear of like, he knows his father was so dead set on this adventurer life that he completely abandoned his entire family for it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want his son to go down that path as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, when, it's an understandable yeah. fear by all means. Yeah. When in reality, you can go down the same path, but not make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's one of those things of like, wanting to be a caretaker versus individualism versus Mm -hmm. your own triggers and traumas. Exactly. And so that, you know, that shapes a person and, you know, comes into contact. Like when you're a therapist and this is a good example and then we'll move on. But when you're a therapist, therapists actually have to go to therapy. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's mandated. We have to go for X amount of hours while we're in school and report that, show that to like our teachers, things like that. Because we can't go into our internship and practicum without it. Mm -hmm. We have to go to therapy ourselves so that we can be aware of our own stuff so we don't put that on other people. And that is one of the many steps that therapists take or should take, um, should take, um, should take to protect themselves and clients. And so, like, I go back again of, like, you could be aware of your stuff all day long, but what you do with it is, is... important yeah i agree but anyway so we have this relationship and we're seeing the family dynamic between um ethan and his dad searcher and meridian his wife Mm -hmm. and it seems like fairly happy family right like they're they're doing well um his dad's like super supportive of his teenage son and his romantic interest and it was like oh well i could give you talks about how I'm interested, like, what worked for your mom? And it's like, oh, that's gross. And like, oh, there's this boy. And I'm so like, I really think he's cute. And he's just like, so tell me about him, son. Yeah. And it's like the typical, like, cringe dad, yeah. like, wanting to be part of the son's life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, life in paradise goes awry. Yeah. We kind of get a little bit of it when, because uh, we have the scene at the beginning of the movie where, um, Searcher and his family are doing the farming for the Pando and his wife comes back and she's like, for some reason, the Pando that's running the crop duster I'm using is not lasting as long as it should. Mm-hmm. It usually lasts an entire day, but we've only been going for like a couple hours and it's already out. So we kind of get this idea early on that this renewable resource that they have is not as good as they thought it was going to be for as long as it was. Mm-hmm. So that's when we get introduced to, I didn't realize this is Lucy Liu mm-hmm. uh, voicing this character. Which, mm-hmm. This cast is actually pretty stacked. Yeah. It's, it's a really good cast. 
And like I think it, almost everybody does like a really really good job yeah. of trying their character. I agree. Um, but Lucy Liu shows up. She plays the mayor, and she was part of the original team for uh, Jaeger and Searchers. She was there when yeah. Crew. She was there when Pando was first discovered. Yeah, and she's the one that was kind of at the beginning of the movie. She's like Jaeger. I think Searchers onto something. Like maybe we should like not go any further because it's clearly dangerous and we have found something. So she's the one that kind of like pushed Searcher into like, hey, let's go back. And she comes to recruit just Searcher at first to help them find out why the Pando is not working Um, because things are starting to die down. Pando starts just straight up dying pretty much um so she comes and gets him he agrees to go on this journey towards they found a giant crater and they're going into the earth Mm -hmm. to find out where the source of this panda really is and what's wrong with it what they don't realize is that ethan has put himself on the ship because he wanted to go originally and searcher was like no you're not going Just let me go. Just let me handle it. Mm -hmm. But Ethan has that adventurer side to him. He Mm -hmm. wants to go on an adventure. He wants to do something other than farming. So he puts himself on the ship. They don't realize he's on the ship until Meridian comes down on the crop duster. And she's like, Searcher, where's Ethan? He's not at home. I think he's on the ship. So now we have the entire new generation of clades on this adventure. And that's how we get to this journey to the center of the earth kind of adventure and things start going awry the big ship gets attacked by what i call strawberry jelly pterodactyls yeah they're just little gummy little little gummy pterodactyl looking friends and the dog don't doesn't the dog get like picked up and searcher goes and tries to save the dog and they end up falling off the ship yep and that's how they get separated so we get to a point where Ethan wants to go search for his dad. The ship has damages from the attacks of the Jelly Taros. And we have Searcher and the dog trying to find their way back to the ship. And on their way back to the ship, they end up finding Jaeger. Mm-hmm. And we have the Plot reunion twist. of <laughs> son and father. And for the longest time, Searcher thought Jaeger was dead. Mm-hmm. He thought he died on his excursion and it's would been, never seen again. Right. It's it's been twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. Like what you know, after a certain time, like it makes sense that he came to that conclusion. So out of nowhere to see his dad, it's this you just like the amount of emotion was very palpable for me. I was like, Oh, that's my dad. That's my dad. That's my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just all over. Yeah, you have multiple reactions like back to back to back of like rejoice he's found his dad who he thought it dead happiness like oh my god this is my father like i can finally create this bond with him again to oh this is my dad the guy who, who left abandoned me. Me. yeah it's no big deal no big yeah. deal all in like boom 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 and so while this is happening we have legend legend i think is the dog doggo's name probably yes legend um checking my notes um so we have legend and we have jaeger and we have ethan and they are on their way to get back to the ship. Um, we have Ethan though, who went to go search out for his dad. He hasn't does no not know anything about his grandfather mm-hmm. quite yet. 
And he is just amazed and in awe of this landscape that mm-hmm. they're in. And it's very beautifully rendered. It's very beautifully done. Um, there's so many different creatures. Like there's the strawberry pterodactyls. Um, there's Splat, this little blue microorganism it, that's just very expressive without having a face yeah. that he meets. I call um, him Flubber 2.0. Flubber 2.0. Um, and so this very gelatinous blob, which was apparently one of the hardest characters to animate, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that in a later time. Um, he runs into him and he's just letting this little gelatinous blue blob just lead him wherever because he doesn't know. Yeah. He, 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 this is a new place. Yeah. And so we see all these just like fantastic scenery of like almost like these dinosaur-esque creatures with like these tree organisms on their mm-hmm. back and they shake it and like it's food that comes down. Um, there's like the strawberry pterodactyls are everywhere. There's like these like almost bloodstreams mm-hmm. like at first almost like bloodstreams just like of these creatures just going through the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, everything looks very alien. Everything looks very like just these different organisms and different things that you're not used to seeing on the surface world. Yeah. And so it's just like this fantastical place and all this life down here. Um, and so Ethan's having the time of his life. Yeah, because all he's known is farm life. All he's known is farm life. And so he's out here doing the thing he wants to do and just super naive about it with little blue blob, little splat. And splat is leading him ultimately to his doom. Yeah. And we get to a point where uh, we've realized that for some reason these creatures have an adverse reaction to Pando. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they touch it, they get burned or get electrocuted, they yeah. get hurt. And Splat touches one on accident and gets hurt. And Ethan's first reaction is to help him, mm-hmm. um, which makes Splat feel guilty for trying to lead him to a pack of what I want to call meaty pack men. They are meaty pack men. Um, they're like these purple black blobs that are very like kind of spiky um they're called they eventually end up calling them reapers in the movie Mm -hmm. um and these are they just kind of attack anything that's foreign that Mm -hmm. comes down into this world some would say maybe like a white blood cell something like a white blood cell (laughs) yeah like doing its thing um (laughs) what is the what is the term for that um Anyway, plot. I can't remember it. Um, And so these Reapers then engages in like this just massive cut scene Mm -hmm. where then like we're running from the Reapers and then we're reunited with our with our dad and our grandfather. And it's like, that's my grandfather. That's Yeager. Oh, my God. He's so cool. Mm -hmm. He's got this flamethrower and he's out here like keeping us safe. And he's like, go, go, go. And like, so Searcher's like, well, just like old times. And it's like, he's just having a hard time coming to grips with everything happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like his childhood all over again. Now his son's been introduced. He can see how his son likes it. They do eventually get to safety out of this very gorgeous and just complex scene of like being in this river of reapers mm-hmm. and like the little, bl- like the little blood streams in the sky for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and they do eventually get back to the ship. Yeah, they do. And we get, you know, scenes where, 
Jaeger is reuniting with his old crew members that used to be on his crew because they're a lot of them are part of the crew that went down on the expedition. Um, and they're kind of meeting him again. He's a huge hero mm -hmm. for this town. Like everybody sees him and Searcher as heroes. Um, so, and whenever he comes back and introduces himself, they haven't seen this man for 20 plus years. They thought he was dead. And now their hometown hero is back in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we get this small scene where Ethan and Jaeger are on the back of the ship. And Jaeger's showing Ethan how he uses his flamethrower. And Searcher's watching this from afar the entire time, just being anxious dad, like, oh no, I'm losing my son to this, mm -hmm. to this lifestyle that I knew took away my father. And I don't want that for him. So he comes and kind of interrupts this scene. And Ethan tries to introduce his father and his grandfather, as well as Splat, to this card game that him and his friends play, just to kind of introduce them both to something new and try to get them all on even ground to be able to talk. Because mm -hmm. he can see the tension between Jaeger and Searcher, and he wants them to be able to just sit down, focus on something else, and just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then during this card game, Searcher makes the card game about himself. Jaeger makes the card game about himself. They only care about what they know, what they want to do, and not what Ethan wants from them. Mm -hmm. So which, they, they get so focused up on their own hurt, their own trauma, that they're just completely bloop. Mm -hmm. That's why therapy is important. Unresolved trauma is, is real. Yeah. And that's where we get Ethan just getting so fed up with it that he leaves. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mention this because there was a really funny joke. Uh, I can't remember if it was when Searcher first meets Jaeger or if it was around this time. But Jaeger does ask Searcher about his mom because it's been 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. He's he's wondering about his wife and like how she's doing. And uh, Searcher says, oh, she's moved on. Mm -hmm. And Jaeger's like, oh, no, she passed away. And he was like, oh, no, no she remarried. She moved on, married. Uh, I can't remember his name. I had it written down. Oh, I don't even know. Uh, Sheldon. Oh, yeah, Sheldon. Mary Sheldon. And there's this funny scene where Searcher tries to throw something, and he's like, that's how you throw a ball? And he's like, well, Sheldon taught me. And he's like, ah, Sheldon. <laughs> we, we meet Sheldon and his mom later in the movie, and we realize Sheldon is this huge beast of a man. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those, like, you get a little set up and the payoff is really funny. And yep. I thought the whole dead mom joke was kind of funny. Because, <laughs> like, you don't expect it from a kid's movie. Like, no. You don't expect a dead mom joke in a kid's movie, which, I don't know, I thought that was funny. Well, I don't know, given Disney's history of dead moms. Actually, they have a history of dead moms. Yeah, that's There's, fair. There was Cinderella's mom. Yeah, that's fair. There was Snow White's mom. Um, Bambi's mom died. Ariel's mom's not, not around. Jokes. They don't make no, jokes. No, it's about it's it. just yeah, but it doesn't even like play anything into the plot. But yeah, no. there's not there's not any particular jokes about it. Yeah, but just pointing out Disney does love an absent mother. They do. <laughs> um, so we're still on the ship, and Searcher and Yeager kind of have this heart to heart moment where Searcher's kind of like 
why can't you just give it up? Like, even now, you're still so hard-pressed mm-hmm. to figure out what's past the wall. Because when Searcher meets up with Amiga, he's like, oh, yeah, this is how I ended up here. I thought I couldn't go over it, so I thought I could go under yeah, it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've been down here for so long. Mm-hmm. And Searcher's asking, like, why can't you just get past this? Why can't you just move on? And Yeager has this really speech that kind of, I got it. And this was one of the, like, scenes in the movie that, like, really kind of perked my interest. Because he was like, when you spend so much time doing one thing, it's hard to give it up. Change is hard. Yeah. Like, even as destructive as it can be, when you're doing something for so long, when you're stuck in a job for so long, it's so hard to just be like, okay, I'm in a toxic environment, but this is my livelihood. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm good at. This is all I know. Yeah. So it's hard for you. It's hard for people to remove themselves from situations when they feel like this is all they've got. Mm -hmm. And that's where Jaeger's like, all I know is adventuring. The only goal I've had for 30 years is get past the wall. Mm-hmm. If I just give that up now, who am I? True. And that's like a loss of identity. But then their searcher, on the other hand, who lost his dad, mm-hmm. like suffered this, what would be considered like this very traumatic loss mm-hmm. because his dad chose his career over his own son, mm-hmm. over his own family. And you know, it's not really, like, said prior to maybe, like, how long he had been an adventurer for, mm-hmm. but it made a difference, and I think he took that and ran and made it his identity. And so after so long, you build, like, this foundation off of, like, this idea that you have about yourself, and it's hard to change. It's hard to go back and do that. It's scary. You don't know who you are, and so there's a fear of the unknown with that as well. If I'm not an explorer, who am I? Exactly. Um, so then we get to, they're kind of going deeper and deeper down this hole because they get the ship fixed. They're finally moving. We got the whole crew together and the main objective is to get past this pretty much huge ocean of toxic waste. Mm -hmm. Um, so almost like, like it's just very acidic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can't really touch it without things melting and lighting up on fire dying so their their goal is to fly over it and try and see what's past it because that's as far as Jaeger got he couldn't get past it by himself because mm-hmm. obviously he didn't have the tools required to get past this so he's excited because he's finally moving forward Ethan's excited because they're continuing the adventure and then we get to a point where they get past it and they get kind of the creature's help from Splat and Ethan has kind of created this bond with the creatures through Splat, mm-hmm. um, which makes him, I guess, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but happier, more. It just kind of like solidifies, yeah. like, I want to do this adventure piece because I can do these things. Like, mm-hmm. I've bonded with this creature and now I'm learning all these other things. And because I'm learning and I'm open and I'm accepting, yeah. like, I'm getting the reward off of that, yeah. where you see, like, his dad and his grandfather who have very closed off ideals and they're not willing to bend on it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you see them like literally and figuratively like hitting a wall. Yeah. 
And because they cannot open their minds to what the other is about, even after that heart to heart, like there's still unresolved trauma there. And yeah. that's where, after we see like, even like, again, building this bond and things like that, we come to a crossroads. Yeah. Do we continue to search for the heart of yeah. Pando or do we go to the other side of what's on the other side of the mountains? Because there's an opening. Yeah. And Ethan's like, I think we should go to the opening. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes off on himself because everybody's arguing about what the next step is, what we should do. And Ethan's like, I'm just going to go. Mm -hmm. And Searcher follows him. And then we get the big reveal. It was, I loved this. I loved this so much. It made my little, just like, it. Mm, yeah, the big reveal. The big reveal. They go outside. Mm -hmm. They go outside. There, There's this whole from the inside and then the next thing you know they're on the other side they're on the outside and it's just this massive ocean mm -hmm. and behind them this eat like this massive landscape like this massive just island behind mm -hmm. them and they're just in awe and they're looking and they're looking and then the next thing they know a giant eye they're looking and staring into a giant eye mm -hmm. and it is revealed that they have been living on top of and have been inside of a yeah, turtle. A little giant turtle. Yeah. A giant turtle. <laughs> and I was like, ah! <laughs> I like turtles. Yeah. So they, <laughs> there's a whole lot of mythology behind world turtles and everything like that. And like the, the earth is being carried on the back of a turtle. Mm. And so I really liked how like Disney played into that. Yeah. Like there's a whole lot of mythology on it. Like if you... Me and Dakota are big Pokemon fans. That's where, like, Torterra comes from, like, that mythology of the world tor turtle and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and that's where we kind of figure out, like, when I was, like, kind of like white blood cells. Like, we figure out that all these creatures are actually, like, enzymes of white blood cells. Organisms, organisms that are alive. Yeah, that are part of this living organism that they are living on top of. Mm -hmm. So when they went inside, they're not creatures they're parts of this creature's body. Mm -hmm. Which, which yeah. then we kind of understand like, oh, wait a minute. Pando is bad. Yeah. And Pando, it's revealed that Pando was like a virus. Mm -hmm. And that's why it stopped working because the turtle as a whole, its immune system and its body functions that they've been traversing through are trying is fighting it so it can keep the whole mass the whole turtle alive and so they come to this realization that oh oh no we've got to we've got to destroy pando now mm -hmm. and that just shakes like searcher's worldview yeah and he takes this information back to the group the mayor's not having it no she's like pando means too much to the community it's made so much of a change in our world and it's really where we get this second message from the film because the first message is family family trauma how we work between generational family differences and stuff like that mm -hmm. and the second message is environmentalism mm -hmm. at what point are we taking something from our world that can damage our world mm -hmm. and at what point is it going too far mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the second message that we get from this. And 
I feel like it was doing so well mm-hmm. with we, the family trauma message. We got to that point and then we kind of like lost it. Mm-hmm. Like both messages were overlapping to a point where like it was a, parts of the plot were a little hard to follow after yeah. that. I mean, you can you can follow it along, but it kind of leaves you like, well, wait a minute, like what what how did how did we what? Because yeah. when you're juggling two really important messages. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really good, important messages to get across to people. But when you're watching a movie, you really want everything to be succinct. When you introduce something, you want payoff for that. Mm-hmm. And you do you, get some payoff. In the end, yes. Yeah. But leading up to that, it's just kind of like... It's very okay, muddled. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, here's what we're doing... Jaeger really wants to go behind the wall, but now all of a sudden he's okay with this. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, okay, now we have to go do... And then, so, like, his stuff just changes on a dime yeah. after we just had this huge, like, spiel of, like, change is hard and I'm scared. And change is hard and I'm scared. Like, in, in a nutshell, like, that's those have been the conversations. Uh, and then you have Searcher just, like, you got to be open and you have to understand my hurt and my things. And so, like, those ideals are then starting to clash with, like, hey, we kind of need to protect the world we're living in or we're all going to die. Mm. And so is this drama really worth it? Yeah. But it, that's, and it tries to go back and forth and tackle between those themes. So they try to get back to the ship to tell everybody, like, yo, we got to, we got to like come see the outside. You'll understand. We mm. can't do like, we need to destroy Pando. And like you'd said, like Lucy Liu's character, the mayor, like the original person from the, that she's just not having it. And so she ends up like locking, um, Ethan the, yeah, Meridian, um, searcher and the dog, yeah. like in like this little storage closet. And it, one of my favorite scenes was like, they're trying to get out of this closet and they're like, go get it boy. Cause like legend gets out and he's like trying to open it up. And eventually it's just like splat that goes under the door and then unlocks it and then goes back under the door. Yeah. <laughs> and then the dog opens it up and I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that was a good scene. Yeah. Um, we get this huge kind of climax moment where there's tension between the crew and the clades. The clades want to do what's best for the world. While the crew wants to do what's best for the what they think it's the, the people want. Yeah. Um, so there's a little, there's some scuffles, there's some fighting, and then we get to a point where they're trying to break this shell that's protecting all this Pando so that the organisms can destroy Attack it. it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what's happening. They're like trying to destroy it, but there's this huge shell around it. It's created this protection for itself because. Pando is a living thing. It's, it's a virus. Yeah. It's going to try and protect itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they help break that shell so that the organisms can go in and break it down, destroy it. And eventually we get to the point where Pando is no more. Mm-hmm. They succeeded. The world turtle is okay. The world turtle is okay. And we get to the end of the movie. Because now we know what's behind the wall. Mm-hmm. Like Jaeger knows what's behind the wall. So now he's like, what next? What do, what do I do? And we have a very small time skip where we figure out that Searcher has gone back to his farm. But he's just regular farming now. Yep. Just vegetables, 
He's still okay with his farming life with his wife. But he gets a letter. Yeah. And a mail. And who is it from? It's from Ethan. It's from Ethan. And guess where Ethan is? He is inside. He's gone back to the other, the, the lower world inside mm-hmm. of the turtle again and is still exploring it mm-hmm. and is doing that so that he can try to ensure that that system is, is running accordingly and that there's no threats to it because mm-hmm. now everybody's on board. Like, yeah, we've got to protect what's here. Yeah. So we kind of get the payoff of Searcher goes back to the farm and he's okay with being on the farm by himself. And Ethan has kind of gone down with all his friends as well as the guy that he's been with attracted his, to the entire movie. Which is, is yeah. it's said like it's his boyfriend by yeah. that point. And so it's like, oh. You get the payoffs. You get that realization that Searcher is let his son go down the path that he, he wants wanted. to. And then we find out Jaeger came back to the village, uh, did go back and see Searcher's mom, realizes that she's happy on her own. And like him and Sheldon, like Sheldon, this big old, like Jaeger's a big boy. Yeah. Like he's one of the biggest characters you see, but then mm. you see Sheldon who is like, his head's like cut easily, off. <laughs> easily like twice the size. Yeah. And you see him just like grab this man and get him in a hug. And the yeah. mom's like, Oh, you guys yeah. like, it's very cute. And there's a lot, it ties in together very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, this is, this is good. It was, yeah. a, it was a nice feel good at the end. Yeah. It ends with Jaeger and Searcher both being on the farm together and being able to accept the life that they have. Mm-hmm. And, really push that next generation forward while being happy with what they have, Mm -hmm. which is a really good message to put across to people. Like when you have children, me and Dakota don't have children, but as children of parents, we like, you know, we ourselves don't have children, but we have worked with kids in the vicinity um, for you going on like, I've worked with kids for a long time. For a very long time. I know, like, in the various things, and, like, I'm a child therapist. Like, I work pretty exclusively with children. So even though I don't have children of my own and can't, like, 100% identify with it, you and I ourselves, like, were children once. Like you said, Mm -hmm. the millennials, when we came across that thing. So I don't want to, like, this is a movie for, like, everybody to take away. Like, you don't have to necessarily have children to want to watch this movie. Um, And... Like, it's just, like, values that you can add in your back pocket for when and if you decide to have children. Yeah. And the movie has two really good messages. The environmental one kind of gets rushed it, it gets towards a little, the end. It gets a little lost. Um, and it kind of muddles up the family trauma stuff. But if you go in and just have an open mind to it and work towards just enjoying the movie overall you're gonna find something out of this movie Mm. you're gonna get something out of it yeah you're either gonna like really enjoy it from like you know a journey to the center of the earth perspective where you're going into new worlds and adventure you're gonna get it from like understanding like family themes which is what my big takeaway was it and that's why i feel like this movie is very much slept on because it doesn't feel as intense as encanto was yeah Um, no it's not nearly as intense as it was. It, the messages with like generational and family trauma are very, they're palpable, but like they're understandable. Like you get what's happening. Mm-hmm. They do a good job with that. Um, it t- talks about being just 
having an open mind in general. Um, it takes like LGBTQ themes and doesn't shove it down your throat, which is what a lot of people say, like, you yeah. know, with the, with the woke agenda, they say yeah, like, it's woke, being like, woke Disney is a big thing. Yeah. Woke Disney is a big thing. And this is a good example of how actually it's not that big of a deal. Like yeah. I like a boy, he's cute. And then that literally had no bearing on the plot. Mm -hmm. It was made, it took maybe like two minutes of like the whole movie. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, Hey, my son is gay. And then they move on. Like really loved how they handled that. Um, they have like so much representation. Like there, mm -hmm. this is a blended family. Um, like a mixed family meridian appears to be an african-american woman um searcher is white from what we could tell their son is mixed um the gentleman that ethan has a crush on looks like he is of like some sort of like white asian type of mix like lucy Liu's character mm -hmm. she's asian like there's a lot of representation mm -hmm. of like different um nationalities um minorities just all sorts of stuff and like again like didn't really you don't really have to like zoom in on that to tell a story no and so that's why it's like these things are indicative morals for like any walk of life yeah i think it does inclusion and super well um diversity really well um because i know a lot of people's problems with the quotations woke disney agenda is that they're putting up this false front of like, look how woke we are. Look how diverse we are. Look what we're doing to push the agenda when it comes off fakey. Mm -hmm. It comes off like... And it will. Big corporations like this will. And some, like the counter argument to that is, is like, well, they're only doing it for money. Yeah. And well, in the case of this, uh, <laughs> the budget of Strange World was anywhere from 135 to 180 million. Um, it only brought in... 73.6 million yeah so if this was a money grab they didn't do good <laughs> well disney has been doing well for about a year now when it comes to uh i think the most recent movie that did fairly okay mm -hmm. is little mermaid yeah um i think that one did okay and that one still Natasha and I went to go see it, and we enjoyed it thoroughly, but that one also kind of got hit on the woke agenda kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which I I firmly believe it's up to interpretation. Yeah. Whoever the storyteller is, that's their story to tell. Also, all of this is not real. It's a story. Yeah, it's, fiction. It's, it's fiction. it's fiction. And so, like... How many, in the mean, come on, how many of you guys out there wrote a fanfic or like self-inserted yourself into things and you want to be in that world? Like, come on. Right. Come on. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, there are people out there like, okay, you're changing too much of my childhood, but there's also that camp of like, okay, but this is also someone else's new childhood. Right. And then we go back into that theme of like this family dynamic in mm. general. So what was different for you and me growing up in the 90s? is going to be different for kids growing up in, like, the 2010s, the 2020s. Like, I do want to talk about, um, it seems as though Disney is having really, just a recurring theme going into some of their movies recently. Mm -hmm. Because we talked about Encanto a little bit. Encanto is a movie that is, like, the whole message of that movie is family trauma mm -hmm. and generational differences and coming... In, a, in, in presumably a Hispanic culture, too, yeah. where it is incredibly, incredibly taboo. Yeah. 
Sorry if you're picking this up on the mic, but apparently we're having a thunderstorm right now, so you might hear some boom booms coming in through. <laughs> uh, nothing we can do about that, unfortunately. But, um, but going back to it, the they have this theme of generational trauma, and and addressing it yeah, very directly. They they address it directly and they address it well. Mm-hmm. But then you have Strange World that's kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if you've seen Elemental yet. I have seen um, trailers, little clips of it. Um, I'm very interested in watching it, but it seems like it's also following... It follows this generational trauma. And that one, too, from what I understand, is like coming from like an immigrant point of view. Yeah. Like coming into this new country, this yes. new city. So, yeah. At, at some point, I will probably watch that as well. So, a lot of people are... I think that's why Strange World and Elemental... Elemental's actually kind of hit a resurgence. It kind of opened really low, but people through word of mouth have gone to see it more. And it's actually... A, it actually grossed more... I read an article recently. I think it's grossed more than Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is kind of insane. Right, because that was fairly well-received. Yeah, it was a really well-received movie. And to hear that, like, a movie can come out and open really low mm-hmm. because the initial the initial talk about it was this is, like, the fourth movie. Because Soul, have you seen Soul? I have seen Soul. It also deals with generational trauma. It does. It made me have an existential crisis. Yeah. And, like, it's, a, movie, lot, it's a lot of different movies same message right and so i can understand where like all right we we we're tired yeah i mean it's like superhero fatigue yeah like you go see you know superhero movies if they keep doing the same thing over and over again you're gonna get tired of them yeah which is a thing that marvel's dealing with right now but we're not talking about marvel right now we're talking about these movies that like you have soul that came out you have Encanto that came out, you have Strange World that came out, you have Elemental that came and out. And all of this coming in together within like the past like two to three years. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it. Everybody deals with this. We don't need it shoved down our throats. Some of us don't want to deal with this right now. We just want to watch a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like movies are a great way to get stories across. Like yeah. they are. Um but I think, too, like, one of the, the thought processes behind Disney as well is, like, Encanto did really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, really well, like, movie-wise, yeah. um, product-wise, like, just things like that. And so wanting to still capitalize mm-hmm. on that is understandable. Yeah. And then to present it in different ways, like, that's cool. I'm here yeah. for it. Um, but after so, so much of, like, same plot, different message, like, how... You know, it's almost like similar like mm-hmm. to the princess movies, like damsel in distress, she goes through this thing, something happens, the prince has to save her. And so they change that narrative along the way. So I do predict that like Disney will eventually yeah. get to a, another narrative. Yeah, I mean we have people people talk about them like they, they call it the bronze age, the silver age, the golden age of like Disney. Mm-hmm. And um there was that long period of time where Walt Disney was still alive. And he he was doing things that he wanted to do. He did Snow White. He did Cinderella. He did um, Sleeping Beauty. 
these movies that are the stereotypical fairy tales, but he also did movies like Dumbo, he mm-hmm. did Pinocchio, movies that aren't the stereotypical Disney princess movie, but are still fairy tales, still good. And then when he passed away, Disney was kind of like, okay, what succeeded for us? What what was successful for us? And that's where we got more and more and more of the whole Disney princesses. That's why we got so many Disney princesses. But then we kind of hit this renaissance of like Aladdin, Sleeping Beauty, Mulan. Mulan. Love Mulan. Mulan was a huge just turn on its head of like, yeah, she's a Disney princess, but she's not no damsel in distress. Mm-mm. And then you also have Eddie Murphy as Mushu. Yeah. There's that. And you have movies like Hercules, one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Bless like, my soul. Herc was on a roll. Yeah. Also very good. I think I watched that in the second grade and I was all about that movie. Yeah. Loved it. So I think we're at a point where like it, it goes in waves. Yeah. Of like they see something that succeeds just like Frozen a couple years. Like they saw Frozen was super successful. So everything needed to be Which, this big gigantic musical like you need to have at least one super catchy song and i want to point out like strange world no musical numbers numbers. you had like that opening sequence of like the comic book style Mm -hmm. of like the clades and but like there wasn't anything super musical about it so that they're breaking away from that but also hot hot take Frozen was perhaps like the introduction of starting to talk about like family issues. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I can see that. And so they're like, okay, so what if that but more? <laughs> and then Which, I think that's how we got to I just think people are getting tired of it. But I wanted... I would agree. I wanted to talk about something because I... This is more of a me thing. I know you're not big into this... Um, I guess I'll call it a culture. Mm-hmm. But there's a physical media culture of like... Digital is just, it's okay, but it's not good enough for a lot of us. Like, I have a big, nice TV. I want everything in 4K. I want to watch a movie in the best possible quality that it can be in, right? Right. And people like you, I'm assuming, are just like, fucking watch it. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Like, I really am. Like, I watch this at home. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love a theater experience. Like, I really love a theater experience. I like going to the theater. I like eating my popcorn. And I like just being in a dark room for like two hours with no thought. Um, And then sometimes I'll watch something at home because like, whether it's for like the podcast or just something that a friend recommended me, um, that's fine too. But like, to me, it's like, I'm not here for like how it could be best represented for my eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and I understand like that's important for some folks. Um, Me, I'm like, I just want to watch a movie. I I realize that I'm in like a pretty huge minority on this topic Mm -hmm. but it it does correlate to strange world here because the 4k format is starting to pick up speed Mm -hmm. starting starting to like if you want a physical disc in the best format you gotta get a 4k disc right and this movie did have a physical release there are blu-rays and dvds out for this movie yes ultra hd blu-ray blu-ray and dvd however Talking on the Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray, mm-hmm. I know this is a very small diff- demographic I'm talking about, but it's more so like not talking about the demographic, but talking about some Disney BS that they're pulling on this movie. 
So it had a 4K release, but the only way you could get it is through their Disney Movie Club. Which which is a like a huge subscription. Like it's one of those things like if you buy a Disney Blu-ray or a 4K, you're gonna get a little slip of paper that's like, hey, join our Disney movie club. You can get four movies for like a dollar, but then after that, you're gonna have to pay like eighty dollars or a hundred dollars a month and you can get certain movies that no one else can. And it's like you're gating off this movie that you know was not successful in theaters mm-hmm. to people that people that probably really liked it and want in the best format possible you're blocking it from easy access yeah which which again like that was one of the things that hurt this film was yeah. the lack of accessibility mm-hmm. like i said i didn't know this was a thing i didn't mm-hmm. see any kind of like oh this is going to be in theaters on november blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. it was just a, oh i watched this on disney plus and yeah. i was like okay i'll take a look into it and like i i genuinely do believe like despite its like muddled messages and what you get from it and then like how you can view it like it's a very visually pleasing movie it could have um, done a lot better than it did it could have done a lot better than it did but i do feel like this this was worth somebody to go and watch yeah, to me absolutely like I, i'm not saying this is the greatest disney movie ever made no. um but this is one that i like i really wanted to talk about because i feel like this does like even though we do get some muddled things i'm not gonna discount because like it does get like it gets lost in its own sauce sometimes it's still a very good like understandable watered down version of like how your ideals affect others yes. from a family dynamic. And gatekeeping people is the worst way possible to do things. Yep. And going into that, they're also doing the same exact thing for Elemental, yep. where they're putting their 4K release, except I think Best Buy maybe have like a 4K exclusive still book. I keep up with all this stuff because I'm a nerd. Yeah. But um, <laughs> they, they, they're gatekeeping the 4K release again. And people are upset, but also on a plus side, um, they may be gatekeeping things on some fronts, but some news came out recently that's pretty, pretty big news, actually. Like, it may not be big for you, but on a grand scope, this is actually, like, really good news. Um, some news from Disney came out that they are releasing... Disney Plus exclusive shows out on 4K here soon. They're releasing hmm. WandaVision, Loki, and Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 out on 4K physically for people, hmm. which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, because a lot of like people don't have access to that unless they have yeah. Disney Plus. Or a lot of people don't have access to internet. Yeah, access to internet even. Um, and so have to really rely on like other sources. So, yeah. Yeah. So the fiscal releases of, I hope they do well. I really hope the fiscal releases of these originally digitally only shows do really well so that Disney kind of sees the market for it. And Netflix used to do it. You used to see physical copies of House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, like the really popular shows Mm -hmm. out on physical release. And I hope that people go out and buy these so that 
we can get other things because Netflix is about to come out with a anime version of Scott Pilgrim and my God, do I want that on physical release? <laughs> I want to be able to watch that whenever I want without having to pay an arm and a leg for a Netflix subscription wherever I want to watch it. Right, especially when Netflix is fairly notorious right now for not being kind to its writers and its actors and there's well, like the ongoing strike happening right now. So to have a physical release might also get them to change their tunes. Yeah. Maybe. Um, we won't go into that because we'll be here for a whole other two we hours. We will. But hey, Matt. Yeah. Strange World, overall. I, if I was put on a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a solid seven. I agree. I agree. I it's think not that's, a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. Is there some stuff that it could do better? Absolutely. Yup. It's visually pleasing. It gives you a fairly straightforward story with beautiful visuals. Um, and just really likable characters. Mm-hmm. Like, who doesn't love a three-legged dog? Everybody loves a three-legged dog. And everybody loves Flubber 2.0. I love Flubber 2.0. I want a splat. <laughs> I do. Um, but I think it is a really enjoyable movie for a first-time watch. Mm-hmm. Will you watch it and put it on every time the kids want to watch something like Encanto or Frozen or one of the other Disney classics? Probably mm-hmm. not. No. But it's it's one of those movies like it's definitely it's gonna have to a it, it'll probably have a cult following just like the movies I said like Atlantis Treasure and Treasure Planet, Planet which I recently watched both yeah again very great movies they're they're cult classics that when your nostalgia kicks in you're like oh man I don't watch this movie in forever mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it on it's not one you're gonna put on every month it'll be one of those movies that you watch one time. You'll really enjoy it, and then five years down the line, you'll be like, oh my god, Strange World, I remember that movie. Let's pop it in. Right. And so, like, is this going to be, like, one for, like, again, Disney to, like, capitalize on? No. But it was well-received on Disney+. Plus. I feel like everybody at least give it a shot. It would definitely be worth, like, a one-time watch. Um, Go and try it. Yep. So, next week is... My movie, uh, I'm going to be taking over movies for the next two weeks because I have two movies that I want to watch <laughs> that Dakota has not watched yet, and they are some of my favorites. They're um, quirky. They're very fun to me and up there for some of the movies that I like to watch. The one movie I've watched quite a few times, and that's the one next week we are watching, Crazy Stupid Love. Natasha calls it a chick flick, and I don't care. I don't... I haven't watched this movie yet, so I'm not sure what to call it. I would say rom-com is safe. Yeah, it's a rom-com for sure. Okay. so But when, when people say chick flick, I think, like, Mean Girls, Clueless, Notebook. Yeah, my first thought is Notebook. But I'm I'm excited to watch Crazy Stupid Love because it has Steve Carell in it, and I'm a big Steve Carell fan. And Ryan Gosling's huge right now. Ryan Gosling is huge right now. It's it's important. It's topical. I'm fairly certain those abs aren't real. I think they're CGI. They might be. <laughs> they knows? might be. Right. But tune in for us next week whenever the movie we have to watch is Crazy Stupid Love. And we look forward to talking about movies with you. Toodles.